Good morning. Good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated. Breakfast in the Class is also dedicated. Li'ilui uh, Nishmat, my wife's grandmother, Charnabat Yisachar Berish, um, who was an absolute tzaddiket, and her yard site is, is today. Um, as well, uh, dedicated for all the singles in Am Yisrael, the Finder Zivug Bezat Hashem, sponsored by Pega Natanzi. What a beautiful thing to do, uh, to sponsor a Torah and a Zechut for all the singles to find their Zivug. Also, the week of breakfast in the class is dedicated in loving memory of Sinai Tour, Chosh Bach Alea Shalom, Linushpat Sinai Tour Bat Shokrola, for her Askara, sponsored by her son Maurice Chosh, Hazako Baruch. Finally, the week of Cobra was sponsored by David Hachu, David E. Esh, in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. P.S. I just remembered, I want to remind everybody, we have amazing uh, gear that you could find uh, online on the website uh, capacityforgood.com, uh, which uh, will, support, will support the Bet Knesset. Sweatshirts that you all need to have for your sukkah, <laughs> t shirts, the I Survived the Toaster Fire of 2020, but have all the goods that you could ever want. Could some, we have to buy one for Sammy. I'm buying one for Sammy. Uh, okay. Okay, let's begin. My friends, we've mentioned many, many times already uh, before this point that the, in the halakha we, we find that a person could get kapara for their sins on Yom Kippur. A person could get kapara for their sins with teshuvah, with prayer, all different things. However, when it comes, when it comes, Sammy, unfortunately, I can't give you the t-shirt alone. Co-owner of the t-shirt is Shai Mahani. Halakha <laughs> 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 is that when it comes to mitzvah ben adam lechavero, the halakha is your teshuvah is not accepted ad shiratzeh et chavero until the person uh, appeases his friend. That's halakha ad shiratzeh et chavero. So, my friends, we've talked a little bit about this in the halakha in the morning a couple of times. does not mean that you said sorry, but didn't return the money. There's no halakha that he should forgive you then. does not mean that the person hurt you and didn't fix the problem that he caused. Because he said sorry. That's not enough. means until you make the person whole. Until the person is appeased. Okay? So I want to talk a little bit about this idea of Ad Shiratzeh Et Chavero. My friends, you know, some people find it incredibly difficult to apologize. You ever met someone like that? It's very hard for them to apologize. And if they apologize, they figure out some way of apologizing where you're unsure at the end if you were just apologized to or blamed for something. Did you ever, you ever get one of those apologies? I'm, sorry I'm so sorry that all of this happened. But if you, wouldn't have, if you wouldn't have said that, then I wouldn't have... Sorry, what is happening now? Are we fighting or making... I'm not sure, I can't tell. From your apology, I can't tell what's happening. Why, why do people find it so difficult to apologize? Why is it so hard to say I'm sorry and then shut your mouth. I, I want to I add to that, just add some fuel to the fire, okay? Pardon me before 
um, I uh, light another torch to fire. The Pasuk tells us, the Tefillah tells us, when we say, Ashamnu Baganu, you know, but you know, all the sins that we have. But how do we preface all the sins that we have? Right? Anna. What do we say? Sam. Give it. Before Hashem. Anna. Alright. Can I ask you a question? Let's start Hashem. Hashem, Bagano, Gazan, Dibaran, Dofi, Lashora. Evinu, Yoshanu, Zanu, Hamasnu. All of these things describe all the different sins. Why do you start and say, right? The whole beginning sounds a little bit extra. Right? You ever think about that? What's going on? What do you think? So I read something once that it just blew my mind. What we start is something special. We say, we would love to say, Tzadikim Anachim Lochatanu. You know, we're righteous. We did the right thing. We had the right intentions. We, you know, we didn't mean. We'd love to say that. Aval, Chatanu, Avinu, Pashanu. I saw once a reading that said the same line, but just move the comma. Not aval, but comma. But comma, we've sinned. We were iniquitous. Okay? Avinu, Pashanu. Rather, aval Chatanu, Avinu, Pashanu. You want to know what our sin is? The sin of, uh, of by accident. The sin of on purpose. The sin of just to get, start with God. That's what Chatanu Avinu Pashanu means. Okay? You know, you know what those sins come from? You know what those sins are called? Aval. The sin is in the butt. How many times are we starting that sentence? I want to get up but I have, but I'm so tired. I want to do the right thing, but this person is very difficult. You know, I try not to get angry, but this person makes me upset. The sin, the avon, is in the aval. And by the way, we find one example of this in the Torah, the most famous example of it. Where the Miraglim come back and they say, the country is amazing. The fruit is fantastic. You don't know. It grows. Unbelievable. Ba, 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 ba. And then they continue. We saw giants there. We, you know, the people are, people are dying. And the, is any of that not true? Nothing's not true. What is the one problem with the, wor- with the report of the spies? They did see giants. They did, did see people dying. They would not have been punished for that. They were saying, hey, man, that's what the spies were sent for. The only thing. That's also true. What did it? Aval. Ephes. But. Everything's good. Amazing. But. We saw giants there. That but in the middle of that sentence. Instead of it being a report of good. And a report of bad. And now you, the people. Figure out. What you want to do with that information. They already decided how to categorize that negative information. Everything is great, but the fact that they are so big and so strong and the land is ochelet yoshvea means that we shouldn't do it. The butt ruins everything. 
You ever hear a, a parent, a spouse, I love you, but... You know what the person heard? Only everything that comes after. No one ever feels when the person says to you, I love you, but that was out of order. You should not have said that. No one walks away with that feeling. You know something? I feel chastised and loved. No one feels that. Zero people. Why? Because everything that comes after the but is swallowed up by this word, aval. Okay? And I always thought to myself, how powerful is it that the word aval, which means but, is also another word in the Hebrew language, evel, which means to mourn. When you bring a, more, a but into the conversation, we mourn the possibilities that were just lost. Aval is evel. There was an opportunity for love, it's gone. There was an opportunity for forgiveness, it's gone. So when a person is coming to be meratzet chavero, what's the first thing we need to do? When we're coming to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what are we saying to Hashem? I'm about to say, I'm about to say the Tachanun. I'm about to admit my wrongdoing. Before I do that, you know what I'm going to tell you, Hashem? You know what my biggest sin is? My biggest sin is but. So you know what I'm not going to do when I tell you that I did everything wrong? I'm not going to quantify or qualify what I'm saying with an aval. My friends, you've hurt someone's feelings. Obligation to ask a mechila. Not just money, not just damage them financially or materially. Even if you made a comment, even on a group chat, you took a dig. is you have to go be meratze. So how is one meratze? So I want to share with you. We learn a tremendous lesson from the meraglim in how to to manage this aval. A person does not have to sugarcoat. You do not have to hide the truth. You can say, I was under tremendous pressure. You can say that when the person said that to you, it put up all your walls, triggered you. You can say that to them. In an ideal scenario, it doesn't have to be now during the apology. But it can even come in the apology. I have seen people who while they're apologizing, I tell them, don't, just don't say, we don't have to go there. And the person's like, no, I need to. Like you see, it's an actual, the person is physically unable to apologize without telling over the whole story. Like it's like Yitziat Mitzrayim. Like in the beginning, we worshiped idols. Then Hashem took us down to Egypt. Then we went to the, you know, die, die, you know, and the guy hasn't even gotten to the fact that he stole the money. But he's physically unable. You know what, I don't even mind. Just don't. Don't make that the but. So in other words, I want you to understand, this is where I was coming from. This is how I was feeling. And then I made a mistake. And then I did something wrong. You're not here to talk about their part in this. If you're saying, I said things I shouldn't have, you said things you shouldn't have, I'm sorry. That's not real. You have not been Meratzet Chavero. Why do people need to hear that when you, go and, when you go and ask forgiveness? The answer, my friends, is means that you've created at least a fragile peace with this person. And I'm telling you right now that if you apologize before Yom Kippur, we have a problem. Every Jew loves a good sale, right? We love going to a store 50% off. 
You know what I love even more than that? When you get the stackable coupons. Oh, yeah, I need. I went into a watch store. I needed to get a watch. I lost my watch. You know what Hashem, you know when someone wants to buy you a watch? Sometimes Hashem wants to buy you a watch. Did you ever have one of those moments? I lost my watch. I'm a rabbi. It's very dangerous for a rabbi who speaks not to have a watch. You can lose lots of people from your community by not having a watch. So anyway, I lost my watch. One day, two days, three days, I searched the whole place. I can't find it. I went to go buy a watch. I bought the watch. I get in the car. I find the watch. <laughs> Underneath the thing. I was like, okay, Hashem wanted me to buy a watch. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you. I love it. And I go in the store, 70% off sale. Then I find out if you buy two watches, additional, additional 10%. You buy three watches, 15%. You buy four watches, 20%. The funniest thing is, I don't know, it must not have been Jewish to guy, right? Because you get the deal, even if you buy a watch that costs $2,000 or $5,000, you get the 25, 10, 15, 20%, even if you go buy four or three other $10 watches. So they have watches that it costs twenty dollars, right? They still give you. So eventually, it becomes a bad business decision not to buy multiple watches. So you get more. Not only are they free, you wind up getting. You save money by buying more. This is a very dangerous thing for someone like me. Either way, so I go into the store, I buy my watch, seventy percent off, ten percent off, and then we have an additional. So sometimes you save a lot of money. When it comes to forgiveness, though, even though for God, we're having a sale now for teshuvah, it's much cheaper. It's much easier to do Shabbat. You know what's much harder right now? To meaningfully, meaningfully get forgiveness from someone. Because you have something operating against you. And what is it? Yom Kippur. The fact that the guy knows that you're coming to ask forgiveness and it's right before Yom Kippur already has the deck stacked against you. Because he doesn't think you're legit. He thinks you're just coming because it's Yom Kippur. So my friends, let's try and workshop an apology. How do you overcome the Yom Kippur reverse sale, where it's more expensive, where it's harder to buy? My friends, a person needs to get vulnerable in this process. And I want to just for one second, I want to draw a contrast between the language over here of the halakha of Teshuvah, which is Shiratzet Chavero, and the language that I'm fond of quoting Vilna Gaon used to say all the time, when a person gets to Shamaim, they're going to ask him, Himlachta et chaverecha alecha benachat. You know what that means? Did you appoint, did you, uh, uh, in, in, uh, did you institute your friend as your king over you? And not only do you have to institute him as your king over you, did you do it benachat? Nicely. So here we are wondering if we could achieve Yiratzet Chavero, but really what we're supposed to be aiming for is that we live life not, not self-centered, but other-centered, other-centric. And the crazy thing that happens when a person lives their life thinking about the other is they wind up living an incredible life for themselves. It's a magnificent thing. People think when you focus on others you become a doormat, and it's not true. It's not true at all. The people that become doormats by being other-centered, listen carefully, are peoples whose other-centeredness comes from a self-centeredness. Whose service of the other is in order to feel better about themselves. That people should say what a great guy they are. 
That's a person whose other-centeredness makes them into a doormat. People-pleasers whose point in people-pleasing is to feel much better about themselves. That is not a true other-centered. And that person, eventually, your batteries run out because you're not serving your ultimate purpose. You're serving someone else's purpose. And there's only so long you can operate that way before your batteries become depleted. So let's workshop what this looks like. Imagine for a second, if the goal was not just that you can make up, but that you should treat him with dignity and respect. And imagine if what you're saying to this person is, you know what, I let you down. Not because it wasn't fair, not because of blame, but you're a human being. You're creating the image of God. I should treat people better. I need to learn to treat people with more respect. I said this to you, I should not have said that. And the person, a lot of times, when you come in that way, not only do they accept your forgiveness, not only do they accept your apology and forgive you, a lot of times, they won't even let you finish the sentence. Oh, come on, please, it's fine, I know. Because when someone sees that you're coming with that true humility, not that you're trying to write, erase debts from your book, not that you're trying to get written in the good book for Yom Kippur, for Rosh Hashanah for Kippur, but that you're coming to the person and saying, you, you deserve better. I should not have treated you that way. I should not have come off so condescending. It's really, it's horrible to have someone speak to you that way. And by the way, is it possible that they did something wrong? Yes. You know whose problem that is? Their problem. You don't need to be bringing that up in the conversation. Look, I feel like I need to do work, but you also need to do work. That's not, that's not a relevant part of this conversation. So Ritsui Chavero, I think, that's really the, uh, the best way to achieve this idea. Start with the idea that I want to make this person, I should make every person feel like a king. If that's where you start from, then the apology has an entirely, di entirely different center of gravity. Okay? Is that, I'm, and I'm using that word, gravity, as a double entendre. Okay? Number one, it, it is, it's placed, the dagesh is in another place, right? And number two, and number two as well, the seriousness of it also. Because, you know, when you're talking about not hurting someone, sometimes we only apologize for the egregious part of what we've done. And we'll ignore everything else beyond what is, you know, so egregious that like everyone can admit that it's wrong. But there's many layers that come before that. And actually, by the way, a lot of times, that's what's really bothering the person. Imagine you walk up to someone in public, slap him across the face. Tell him, who do you think you are? Let me ask you, what do you think hurts the most? I can promise you one thing. The guy's not thinking about his cheek. But when we apologize, oftentimes, that's what we do. We're like, oh my God. Imagine, you slap someone publicly, you walk up to them, you're like, oh my gosh. I'm so sorry about your cheek. Let me get you some ice for your cheek. What would the person tell you? Moron. I'm not upset about my cheek. I'm upset that you humiliated me in front of everybody. That everyone now thinks that there's this weird imbalance of power. That you're an important person and I'm a nobody. And you know what? The minute people start thinking I'm a nobody, they start coloring in the lines. He's a nobody because he doesn't have a good job. 
He's a nobody because of his relationship status. He's a nobody because, you know, he's not good at this, so he doesn't look good, he doesn't dress good. People start filling in all the reasons why he's a nobody. And by the way, even if they don't, in his mind, they did. In his mind, he's already explaining to himself why and how everyone is disrespecting him in the room. How do you make a person like that whole? I don't think the person, you could say sorry to the person, and I don't think that that person can truly forgive you unless you actually fix this problem. What would that look like? Perhaps if the solution to Sinat Chinam is Ahavat Chinam, and perhaps the solution to humiliating someone is showing them true kavod. But again, not inauthentic, I'm sorry kavod, but authentic, humble kavod, publicly. My friends, let's end with just this. When you want to come and ask someone to apologize, you want to say to them that you're sorry. I think there's two ingredients to a good apology. The first ingredient is, as we said earlier, not saying but, not bringing the elements that make it, make you patur, that show you in a much better light, but actually owning that part. And the second part, my friends, is showing the person that you are fully aware of all the things that are not the slap. So in part of the, of the apology, if I, again, if I was modeling an apology, I would say to someone that I, I mean, I remember once it happened in the Knesset. In the Beit and again, it was, it, wasn't, it was not intentional. Not intentional. The person, Beit Knesset, you know, his phone, he had a phone on him on Shabbat. The phone starts ringing in the middle of the prayers. But it's one thing if the phone rings and, you know, and it's like one second, it's embarrassing enough. It's disruptive enough. But here the phone's ringing and ringing and ringing and the guy, he's letting it ring on Shabbat in the shul. Everyone's looking around. Aib. Now again, the guy comes to shul, he doesn't know better to have a phone. You know, you gotta, you gotta understand where the person's coming from. There's a big difference between a person who should know better and a person who doesn't. We had a woman once in the shul, came to Beit Knesset, had no idea, zero connection with Judaism, came in, they started reading the Torah, so she pulled up the parasha on her phone, on Shabbat. Someone runs over, starts yelling at her about how disrespectful she is. How could she do that? Don't you know? And the answer is she didn't know. She, she did not know. And she knew how much <laughs> If you came on Shabbat, you'd know that I announced that, Sammy. <laughs> Sammy, I'm sorry. I did not mean to embarrass you. That's how she knew. We announced it. I don't know how she found the page. That's a very good question, by the way. Maybe she just Googled exactly where to find it. Good question. But Sammy, Sammy runs this minyan every day at 7.30, and then he goes to 82nd Street to run the 82nd Street minyan. Unbelievable. If there were more Sammy Suttons, how many more minyans would have participation? Right? Really? 
It's very special. We need more uh, Safra Synagogue. We need more Safra Synagogue. I'll, I'll give him a call, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the world is but a stage. Okay. My friends, the second, the last piece here is, as I'm saying, is to be able to recognize and to speak out what it is. It must have been. I'm sure you felt. I feel terrible that I, with all those people, and it's inf- unforgivable, it's inexcusable. Saying to this person all the things that they're feeling makes them understand that you took the time to think about what you've done, to feel what they're feeling. The minute the person really feels that you feel that and that you, re- you, you, you regret doing that and that you've said that to them and that you've humbled yourself to come and say that to them, all the pain is erased. All the pain is erased. I think to myself, how many moments could have gone so differently if someone would have had the courage to say sorry? You know, people get hot under the collar. I just think to myself, like, what would have happened if on an, a night in Jerusalem, after a man lost his temper and threw his biggest enemy out of his party because he was upset? Why is my enemy here at this party that I'm at, my mad, at this wedding I'm throwing, whatever? Why are they here? They came to ruin my night. They threw them out. Anger. The guy offered to pay. I don't want him here. I don't want him to throw him out. Da-da-da. Embarrasses him. Throws him out. I understand. His best friend with the same name didn't come to the wedding. Throws him out. He's, he's double upset. He's upset his friend's out there. He's upset his enemy's there. Throws the guy out onto the street. The guy's lying there in the street. Now, my friends, now you threw him out. Now you're not in the heat of the moment. Now that you're not in a position where you could blame the red mist of anger, what would have happened if the guy would have went around the house? Hi, uh, Bar Kamsa. I'm sorry about how that went down. Maybe we'd still be in Jerusalem. Maybe we'd still have a temple. Maybe we'd still have a Kohen Gadol. Maybe this Yom Kippur, we wouldn't be in a bunch of different synagogues. We'd be standing in the Azarav, the Beit HaMikdash, hearing the Kohen Gadol say the Shem Meforash, and screaming out loud Baruch Shem together, bowing in Jerusalem, Am Yisrael, free of problems, with no enemies, with no sickness. Imagine if someone would have had the ability to say, sorry. You may have lost your temper, but now that your temper's gone, Could you build up the courage for yourself, for your families? I remember being once, and I'll end with this, in Auschwitz, right outside of, in Treblinka, right outside of a gas chamber. Slicha. It was in Majdanek. It's a camp right outside of Lublin. We were in Majdanek, right outside of the gas chamber. And I was there with 40 students, and one student stands up and says, I just would like to tell the story of my Zayda, of my grandfather. She's telling the story of her grandfather who was here in the camp. And while she's standing there and telling the story, another kid stands up and says, that's your grandfather? But my gra- that's my grandfather. My grandfather was in Majdanek and that was his name. And the person you mentioned, the child, that was... That was his son, that was... Turns out, they're first cousins. In the same school 
in the same city, in London. They did not know each other existed because their parents had fought such a bit of fight that neither attended each other's weddings, neither went to each other's brit milahs, bar mitzvahs, anything. They had nothing to do with one another. The kid didn't even know that they were related. And I thought to myself, where are they discovering this? Right outside of a gas chamber. Am Yisrael's punishment. Am Yisrael's punishments that come throughout history because of sinat chinam, because of the hatred between us, because of the fact that we can't make peace with one another. Understanding that the difference between a sari and not a sari is right outside of the gas chamber. And it does not need to be that dramatic. You could ruin a family. You could ruin a marriage. You could ruin a relationship between parents and children. Because neither one of you was the bigger man to come and step forward first. Be a man. Take the first step. What you may be surprised to find out is that the other person also wishes that this animosity was not there. But they didn't have the, the guts, just like you didn't have the guts until 10 seconds ago to take the first step. Be a man, take the first step. And even if your teshuvah or your sorry is not accepted, at least you'll know that you did yours and that your conscience is clear because you came with a genuine, with a real apology. Baruch Amen